<laughs> Good evening, everyone. Um, sure. Powerful worship, huh? Lord's good. Um, I love it. Um, the guys who've been with us in community knows that uh, I love confirmations when the Lord confirms once, twice, three times, and the prophetic words that came is just beautifully um, confirming what the Lord wants to say tonight. So, very excited for what the Lord wants to do. So, I'm seeing a lot of faces that I don't know. So, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Adrian. I'm actually Afrikaans, so if you hear has, had, had, uh, I don't know if I mix them up then, that's why. <laughs> and my wife, Jessica, is at the back. And if you see a little baby in blue, that's Alex running around. And just one for now. <laughs> Second one on its way. So I thought I'll tell you something a bit about us. So we love nature. Um, we love wild parks and we love game reserves. And it's just beautiful for us to experience the Lord um, yeah, in nature and seeing animals, wildlife in sanctuaries and in yeah, places where they can just thrive. And yeah, that's where we experience the Lord and we connect and re-energize. So it's for us uh, very nice to go away. So people joke with us when they hear that we're going away. They go, oh, you're going to Addo? No, not necessarily. But we go a lot to Addo Elephant Park. And then some will say, oh, you have time, Shen Addo? No, you can't have time, Shen Addo. So we just go there. Um, but we actually want to go to Kruger. But that's just a little bit far to drive. Yeah, if you haven't been, go. Sandparks need your money at the moment. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so um, that's what we like to do when we're on vacation and just switching off. So we enjoy seeing the animals roaming freely, preserved in their nat natural habitat. And it's just become like that, that we don't see it very natural, with, especially in South Africa and first world countries, not that we are, but that they roam freely. It's, you know, due to extinction or due to us humans' pollution or hunting them that we have to have reserves and sanctuaries where they can thrive. Otherwise, we just kill them and we pollute their water and, yeah, they don't live and they die off and they go extinct like the Bergkwaga. Anyway, that's the... <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, then it breaks my heart when I hear about poaching in the parks and I hear about snares that the rangers have to, yeah, dismantle and put away because animals get hurt. But I suppose people need to live as well. But, yeah, it really, seeing rivers polluted just... It's, I don't like it. It's, if I hear about an animal that got in a snare or a rhino that got poached or um, we were away last weekend and all the rhinos on the reserve, they had to cut off their horns because in December they attacked five of their rhinos and four were killed. And I'm like, yes, now we even in the reserve need to have measures in place um, to protect the animals. And that's just the animals. I'm not talking about animals tonight, just if you're wondering. <laughs> so God's spirit enjoy dwelling in our hearts. It's his place to dwell, and it's his sanctuary, and I'll break that out, open a bit now, but um, yeah, as he dwells in us, we need to prepare a place for him that, he's, that he wants to dwell in. Remember, so light and dark can't be in the same place together, so if the Holy Spirit that is light comes into our hearts, into our sanctuaries of our heart, but we pollute it with sin, then it's not a lack of place for him to be, and we grieve the Holy Spirit, and I suppose his presence can leave us. So um, let's pray before I go into more. So Father, I want to pray that your words will be spoken here tonight, Father. I want to pray that you'll 
that you'll touch each one of our hearts, Father. And as I, as I talk tonight and as I preach that what you've laid on my heart, Father, I want to pray that, that the congregation will hear your words, Father. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will make every example applicable to each individual, Father, so that hearts can be softened and hearts can be molded for the better and for the good and for the glory of your kingdom alone. Amen. So let's read 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16. All right. So what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among, the, among them and walk among them, and I will be the, their God, and they shall be my people. Very interesting. I didn't know. The first temple, um, the word temple that is used there, what agreement has the temple of God with idols in Greek? I'm going to Greek and Hebrew, but okay. Uh, <laughs> the Greek um, is actually the word now. And the second word temple, the temple of the living God, is the word naos. Now, now, the first word is just referring to the structure and the whole building, while the second word temple, if you can just put that up again, Ulrich, um, temple of the living God, so that is God living in us, is actually not the whole temple, it's the most holy place. It's the holies of holies. It was there where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And when I saw that, I was like, how beautiful is that? It's not just the whole temple, right? The building and the outer structure. If you look at the tabernacle and you look at, there's some beautiful videos about how it was built and how it looked. It was not just the outer part. It's not just where some of the people were allowed to give offerings. No, it's the holies of holies. It's the most holy place. That's where God dwells. So, yeah, that was quite significant for me. So if we look in the Old Testament, we see the tabernacle, which was the portable structure, just a bit of history so that we understand um, where God dwell in the Old Testament or in the Old Covenant and in the New Covenant. So in the Old Covenant, there was the tabernacle that um, God instructed Moses in Mount Sinai to build and exact instructions of how it should be built. And that was a portable structure so that they can pack it up as the Spirit of the Lord moved and they could move it, right? And then later, um, King Solomon built the temple, which was in Jerusalem. So that's only after they went into Jerusalem. It's kind of the same, but so the tabernacle and the temple. So the different areas, there's different areas in the temple. I'm not going to go into that because that's a whole preach on its own. But there's different areas in the tabernacle or in the temple where different people were allowed to enter. And there's priests, um, the Levites, right? That's right, yeah. The Levites, they were asked to, you know, take care of the temple. God appointed them. So just know that there's different people. And then the most holy place is where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And that's where the Lord's presence was. And that's what I want to refer to in a bit. All right, so let's look just quickly at Exodus 25, verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. So God so wanted to be amongst these people that he said, Moses, build me this tabernacle with the ark and the exact designs and exactly how to make it holy with the oil so that I can dwell amongst my people. So God wants to be with us. He wants to restore what was broken in Genesis before um, sin entered the world. Exodus 40, verse 34 to 35. Is that right? 40, yes. 
Then the cloud. So this is now after the, um, the tabernacle. We're in the wilderness. This is Moses. This is before they into the promised land. So it was built, the whole ritual around it. So it's built and it's ready now. And then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And I'm like, if we follow God's instructions exactly, and we are pure and holy, then His presence will just fill us completely. And He will just come and manifest in our lives, in and around us, and the people around us will experience it. And if that's the Old Testament, which was a physical building that the Lord filled, how much more does He want to fill us? It was beautiful when Almary brought the word and prayed for the filling of the Holy Spirit, that he wants to fill us. He wants to live with us. He wants to commune with us, close to us, in our hearts. But, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to the but now. So fast forward now a few years, almost done with the history. So Israelites now got into Jerusalem. They got their promised land. Um, and then a uh, lot happened. But anyway, so we get to King Solomon. He, build, he builds God's temple, also referred to then as Solomon's temple. Um, David was supposed to build it, but we know why he couldn't. So that's David's sin. And then Israel was defeated by the Babylonian king. And this was in the year 578 before Christ. So roughly about 580 years before Jesus comes, Israel's defeated. The temple that Solomon built is now broken down. And Israel is taken into exile, into captivity over all of Babylon. So 70 years they spend in exile. And now the ark, which represents the spirit of the Lord and the temple, is gone. You can imagine, for 40 years they dwell in the desert. They saw the cloud, the spirit. And when they stopped, and the cloud, this cloud stopped, and they stopped, and they set up the, um, the tabernacle, the cloud, which they followed during the day, descended into the tabernacle. Can you imagine that? I just stopped, okay? And here comes the cloud, and the presence of the Lord just sat in the most holy place, and it's there. And you know the Lord's there. He provides the manna. He provides, he provides for you. But still we quarrel and still we struggle. But anyway, and you get into Jerusalem, and this beautiful, beautiful temple was built. If you read about it, the exact specifications of that temple, it was really beautiful and holy, set apart. And it was this, it was a symbol of power of Israel because God, that represented God, and God was in that place. And enemies were afraid of it. So if you read um, the decay of Israel as a nation, don't want to explain, it's very interesting. Anyway, so they go into battle, and, but they sin in the camp, and they start losing the battles. This is just before they go into exile. And um, the king, I kind of forgot his name, but he takes the tabernacle, not the tabernacle, the ark, of, ark the spirit of the Lord, with them to battle. But they still lose the battle, and... Um, they take the ark, the um, Philist, the not the Philistines, the um, uh, uh, huh? Uh -uh. anyway. So they take the ark, but anyway, so the ark comes back, and the temple's not destroyed yet. But it, there was so much power in the ark because it was the presence of the Lord. And now they're in exile. They're away from the tabernacle, the temple. They're away from the ark. They're in exile. Seven years goes by. They come back to Israel. They're allowed to come back. And now this whole political dispute happens. They're allowed to rebuild the temple, but it takes them 20 years to build the temple, and there's no ark. So now there's a temple, but no ark. 
And it hit me as like, what are we without the presence of the Lord? We can be temples, and, but if we don't have the presence of the Lord, if we don't have the Spirit of the Lord filling us, then we just, nothing. And we refer to the church building, yes, this is not the temple, we are now the temple. But if we're the temple without the Spirit of the Lord, then what? If we don't have the Spirit of the Lord, we're lost. It, we, we, can't, we can't do this world, this fallen world, without the Spirit of the Lord. So we have to be refilled. We'll get to that now. So Isaiah prophesies in um, Isaiah 8, um, verse 14. So he's just, okay, let's read first. Isaiah 8, verse 14. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So this is now Isaiah warning the nation of Israel. Um, he's talking about the fear of the Lord, fearing the Lord and waiting on the Lord. But it's foreshadowing the coming of Jesus and the new covenant. And our Jesus will now come and inhabit the new sanctuary, which is our hearts. Now let's look what Jesus said, John 2 verse 18 to 19. So this is interesting. So this is now Jesus in the temple, right? Um, remember, he got angry. Wow. Did he get, oh. So he throws over the tables and he speaks to the Pharisees. And the Jews ask him this now after he rearrange the tables. <laughs> John 8, 2 verse 18. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Verse 19. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. So Jesus is cleansing the temple, overturning the tables, and this is now the intro to the new covenant. The physical temple is no more because the ark isn't there anymore. Um, and his resurrection, which was coming shortly after that, um, and the outpour of the Spirit in us, the new temple and the new sanctuary of the Spirit. We need to protect God's sanctuary and ensure that his presence remains in us a pure and holy dwelling place for him. So now our hearts are the temple, the most holy place, right? It's where the spirit dwells. But we live in a world that is fleshly and corrupted and full of sin because we're still in this world. It's just our hearts that's now reconciled and our spirits that's reconciled with Christ. How do we keep our hearts clean and pure? Because we pollute and corrupt and mess it up or maybe it's just me I don't know guys look at me like oh. <laughs> so that's where I realized that even though there is a sanctuary there's a board before you drive into the park that says this is a game reserve we protect the animals right so on our hearts when we got baptized physically in water we gave our lives to the Lord on our hearts, by the blood of Jesus, it says this is a sanctuary for the Most High. But yet we go in there and we just dump a bunch of junk in it. Huh? And we allow offenses to creep in and we allow unforgiveness in there. And we allow our eyes to wander and we allow gossip and we allow slander. And we're corrupting the most holy place. Because remember, our hearts is the wellspring of life. Right? So, spirit lives there. 
That's the only way, reason there's life in there, because the Spirit of the Lord is in there, hopefully, right? But now we're corrupted. So we have to work to keep it clean every day. It's not just when we get saved that we say, okay, now it's clean. Now we can move on. We're done. No, every day. So when Almary prayed, every day we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every day we need to pray, God, search my heart. Where have I grieved you? Where have I allowed sin to creep in? Where have I given the enemy a foothold so that I can destroy it? Because that thing will take root and destroy you and destroy the sanctuary of God. Does that make sense? Okay. So what pollutes and destroys the sanctuary, God's sanctuary? So back in Genesis, I didn't give you that scripture, Ulrich, don't worry. Back in Genesis verse 3, verse 7, so God created the earth, he created man. That's not that one, that's Genesis 4. So Genesis 3, this before this. It's perfect. God says, nah, this is good, right? This is now lovely, and uh, this is heaven on earth, right? And he says, this is good. He walked with man in the cool of the day. There was communion between them. There was a relationship, right? Their spirits were one. Until man introduced sin into God's sanctuary. So beautiful, right? Eden, sanctuary, perfect, and man comes and brings sin into the sanctuary, Right, polluting the sanctuary. So there's the first time where the sanctuary was polluted. There were boundaries of Eden because they were set out of Eden, out of the boundaries. So boundaries. There was a board, God's sanctuary, and man brought sin into it. That wasn't my notes. Eh? That's, it's crazy, right? There, there were boundaries of Eden, and man brought sin, sin into it. And that's what we do to today. <clears throat> okay. Um, We corrupt the perfect sanctuary. Okay, so go on to Genesis 4, verse 7. Let's read that together. If you do well, you will not... uh, (laughs) If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to to you, but you must rule over it. So, context, Cain and Abel, okay, so Adam and Eve's out of the sanctuary now. God said, okay, they've got their stuff. What is that in English? Punishment, okay. They got their punishment, then outside, but they still, Eve gave birth to Cain and Abel, first Cain and then Abel, painfully. Um, and then they were there, and they were working the land, sweating, because that's the punishment, right, by the sweat of their brow. And they bring their first offering, to the Lord, Cain and Abel. But God favored um, Abel's offering above Cain's, and Cain was disgruntled about it. And straight after that, God speaks to Cain, and he says this scripture, um, if you do well, you will, not, will you not be accepted? So God gave Cain, he said this was a test, and it still is a test. If you do well and you rule over sin, you will be accepted. I'm jumping off my notes. So, right. So in this corrupt world, there is sin. We are not in Eden, right? We are not in the holy place. The holy place is within us. And our flesh and everything around us is still of this world and is corrupted. Therefore, we need to guard our hearts. Therefore, we need to protect the sanctuary. 
Therefore, we need to be the rangers in the sanctuary with the Holy Spirit as our helper, seeking those things that pollute, destroys, and corrupt His sanctuary and place it outside of our heart. Because sin is crouching at the door. It's there. It's waiting. It doesn't go away. I think sometimes we think we, we can't sin anymore. I won't ask who thinks that. But sometimes we think we're so holy and we, God is so gracious to us, and He is. But we still can sin. We still do mess it up. Therefore, we need the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we need His might and power reaching into us and helping us and guiding us, counseling us, correcting us. Because without Him, we can't see it. That's why Cain and Abel, or well, just Cain missed it. He had the voice of the Lord. He still missed it. He had the voice of the Lord speaking to him and he still missed it. He still allowed sin in. So when we accept Christ, his blood um, that he offered on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, cleansed our hearts and anointed our hearts to be a holy dwelling place for God's spirit. Our sinful nature stays. Our sinful desire stays. We remain in a fallen world. But the power of the Spirit. But the power of the Spirit. That we can rule over it. That we can resist temptation. That we can say no to sin. Okay. I think I've said a lot about sin. Allowing sin. Corrupting sin. We, we see it. I think we see it. And... If we look at the law in the Old Testament and how Jesus applied the, the law of the Old Covenant into the New, that the standard is just so much higher, which means we just <laughs> miss it so much more, right? So we know we miss it. How can we purify God's sanctuary? <laughs> we can't. But we can with the help of the Holy Spirit. Alone we can't, but with the Spirit we can, right? And the Holy Spirit doesn't come in and sit Sit in your heart, and when, one, when sin comes in, he says, no, out, this is my place. Yeah. Ne? That'd be great, huh? This vacuum. As soon as it comes in, it just presses it out. No, no, he reminds us, hey, this is not the will of the Father. Hey, are oh, you grieving me, the Spirit? Hey, the Lord has so much more for you in store. And he's gracious, and he goes over and over and then he sends Stefan, says, hey, Adrian, <laughs> the Lord says, I'm seeing this in your life. We have one another. And then later on, he sends Zinzan, and I still go, nah, that's not that bad. So we have one another because the Spirit is also within each one of us, right? So we have one another, but we need to react on the call of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord's gracious when He tests us and when He gives us opportunity. He'll come around, He'll come around, He'll come around, I don't know how many times. But take the opportunity when it comes around first. Repent. Because as soon as you get victory over that, you can go into the more that the Lord has for you. As soon as you repent over that, the, the, your heart can be more holy. A section of your heart has now been given over to the Holy Spirit. So the sanctuary is now bigger, which means the presence of the Lord can be more in your life. And more and more of sin and corruption in your heart can be pressed out. Okay.
So it's forgiveness. It's repentance. That's the way we clean our hearts. That's the way we, we cleanse it again. We realize the conviction of the Holy Spirit or what two witnesses brings to us. We repent. We say, Lord, help me. And then Holy Spirit, fill me again and again. And that's every day. That's not when I got saved, then it was done. Or when I got baptized, baptized then it was done. It's every day, Lord, I search my heart. And reacting to that when he shows you something. Okay. I want to close off by, um, and it's beautiful, um, the word that Amanda brought about the seed. Right? So the seed that gets planted in our hearts. And Jesus compared the gospel and the kingdom of God um, to a seed, the mustard seed. If you look at Matthew that was in my notes, but Amanda's word wasn't in my notes. Where's Amanda? So thanks, Amanda, for bringing it. Matthew 13, verse 31, Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a mustard seed that is sown, it shoots roots, and it grows into this big tree. Then the Holy Spirit comes, and there's fruit, and there's the fruits of the Spirit that we can see and that we can taste, and we can see it's real. And that's how we know and distinguish um, the fruits of the Spirit by seeing that it's real. If that happens with the gospel... How much more seeds get sown of sin into our hearts? Those small little seeds. If the glory of God and His gospel can be sown into our heart with the size of a seed of, that, of a mustard seed, sin can get a foothold the same size. So we have to be so much more vigilant and be ready to fend it off and identify that seed that has shot roots and remove it. Because if we water that thing, if we water that thing, if we water the sin, if we water it, it will grow into this massive tree, right? So the water has come. The seed has been sown into our hearts, the good seed, of the Word of God. And I believe that some, is, some plants have just shot roots now. Some has been growing for a while. Some are sturdy trees. But around it, there's thorns and trissels, hopefully not trees, of sin that has been there. And my heart and my prayer tonight, let's close our eyes, is Holy Spirit, come and show to us two things, Lord. Come and show to us the fruit of our labor, Father. Come and show to us the wonders you have done in our hearts, Father. Not for our own pride, Father, but in thanksgiving that we can say thanks to you, Father, for using us as a vessel for your kingdom, Father. And we realize tonight that there's sin and seeds and small prawns that can shoot roots in our hearts, Father, because it's fertile soil for your kingdom. I want to pray that by your Holy Spirit, you'll show that out to us tonight, Father. Father, I want to pray that you show out offenses, that you show, uh, show unforgiveness, that you show bitterness, that you show a spirit of criticism that we feed in, Father.